With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 239. It's titled, How to Be a Successful Trader. LaPerle and I recently were at a furniture store. We met a sales rep there who was way more excited about trading than he was about furniture. He talked of supply and demand, candlestick charts, NASDAQ, and the Australian dollar. He said he's still struggling to understand how shorting works. That's where you borrow shares of a security and then sell them in order to profit when the security falls in price. He mentioned that he gets all goofy feeling when he gets a trade right, when the trade works. He is 65. He's worked at this furniture store for 14 years, but has never participated in his employer's 401k plan. This is a defined contribution plan where he could have collected a match, free money from the company. If you put up, I'm not sure what the the match percentage was, but he acknowledged that there was a match, that the company would match dollar per dollar up to some level. He said he hadn't participated because the stock market is risky. You could lose money in the stock market. His wife works as a nurse, and the couple's financial planner says they can hopefully retire at the age of 70. I asked him more about this trading school he had been attending. He's attended online classes and in person. He has lifetime access to these classes. How much did you pay, I asked. $23,000. But he pointed out that if he had wanted to join the mastermind community associated with this trading school, it would be $50,000. He said he got the money for this trading school from his mother who passed away. He asked his wife whether he should join. And she says, you have to invest in yourself. So he joined. He told me, this is my retirement. The only thing keeping him from learning to trade better, he says, is his full-time job working at the furniture store. The good news is he's not actually traded with his real assets yet. All his trading has been virtual, and as part of the trading school, he got to trade a little bit with the trading school's money because they're not a broker-dealer. They're an education platform. But he's being patient. He wants to make sure he knows what he's doing before he starts risking his own capital. And that's really what you should do if you're going to trade. I was on a call the other day with Stig Broderson of the Investors Podcast. 
And I kind of, I talked about this, the sales rep I meant that's trading. And I asked, Dick, what other domain can someone pick up a little bit of knowledge and then start competing with professionals? Stig had an immediate answer. He mentioned poker. Stig played poker throughout college. It helped funded his college education. And he said, you know, poker is a zero-sum game. You have a winner, and then you have losers. And the only reason he said he did well at poker is because he was smarter than the other players. And not because Stig is so smart. I mean, he's smart, but at poker, the other players were generally novices. Stig also participated in the commodities market institutionally. He was an institutional trader competing against other institutions. He never could shake the feeling that he was just, he did well at it because he was lucky and that he had a tailwind. After a year or so, he got bought out by the company and a couple years later, they ended up laying off most of their staff. Yet this sales rep is competing against those, those same institutions. Well, he, he will. He's not spent his capital now. I wanted to see how this particular trading school, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention their name because I actually went last week to one of their free classes to learn how to trade because I wanted to see how is it they could convince a 65-year-old man with no investment experience at all, no participation in the markets, that thought the stock market was risky, how did they get him to commit $23,000 to learn how to trade? This trading class was four hours long. It was held at a office park in Scottsdale, Arizona. There were 15 individuals that attended the class, three women and 12 men. Two of the individuals were still in high school. Two were over 70. The instructor, it was a pretty good instructor, was president of this particular branch of the trading school. He, he mentioned how he bought the school. And one reason he bought the school was because they had a patent for their trading process. He started with disclosures, the same type of disclosures that I share on this show about general education, that this isn't trading advice, etc. But he, then he said, this material is copyrighted and you can't share it on the Internet. Now, I didn't sign any type of disclosure agreement, but I'm, that's one reason I'm not sharing the school. But in the show notes there will be a link to, to their U.S. patent for their trading process because we're, we're going to talk about how to be a successful trader from their standpoint. And their approach makes sense if you can execute it. He started out by saying, if you're not, if you're uneducated in the market, then you're going to lose. And the most important topic is risk management. He outlined three objectives for the class. Help us understand why we're not reaching our income and retirement goals. And his approach was the reason why members weren't reaching their income and retirement goals is because returns are too low in traditional asset classes. And we need to trade instead. The second objective was how 
their particular school trains students to think and execute like Wall Street, like institutional professional traders. And the reality is if you're going to be a successful trader, you have to think like Wall Street. And third, they were going to give us the opportunity to work with them to create a personal financial blueprint, an education plan, which is what they did at the end of this particular class. Because you don't go from attending a free class to paying $23,000 to join a trading school. Much of this four hours was spent pitching their next class, three-day workshop on timing the market on futures and options and other trading strategies. That was only a $300 class. So that was the first step. And then after three days, you would be given the opportunity, if you apply and they accept you, to pay $23,000 to $50,000 to be a member of their school. Instructor pointed out, successful traders need to be coachable, hence a school, disciplined, and decisive. The main theme, as I pointed out, is, is they were conveying that traditional financial assets and vehicles are just insufficient. Most individuals haven't saved enough, just like the, the furniture salesperson, 65, has to work to 70 because he hasn't saved enough. Trading, as he said, that's his retirement. There were some things the instructor said I just didn't agree with. He said markets are as safe as a bank if you know what you're doing. But then he proceeded to tell how Spanish depositors at Spanish banks lost 20% of their savings as part of the Spanish bank restructuring after the Great Recession. I almost raised my hand there. So that, that's just not true. But I didn't. I stayed quiet. But it's just not true. Investors in Spanish banks, retail investors that had equity shares in banks, they, yes, lost their savings, but not the depositors. Maybe he was referring to Cyprus. We, did, we discussed bank depositors in Cyprus that lost some of their deposits above 100,000 euros. We discussed that in episode 110, how to protect yourself from bail-ins. So there was some non-factual information, again, to convince us that trading is the way that we can make money. He outlined common mistakes in managing wealth. One is making individual stock decisions based on fundamental information. And he went through all the, the different scandals over the years, AIG, WorldCom, Enron, Lehman Brothers. The idea is that you can't trust the financial data, the financial statements in order to make individual stock decisions. Now, those are rare. They're rare. I think, generally speaking, you can trust the financial information produced by companies. Now, whether you can get some type of informational edge to determine that the stock is mispriced in order to earn excess return. That's a different matter. But he felt that, that it couldn't be trusted. But then asked, do you think you could move faster than a supercomputer? 
which was one of the themes, which is one of the things about trading that I've mentioned in earlier episodes. So much of trading has been being taken over by algorithms, by computers. So how are you going to get an edge to be able to, to do that? I'll share with you their view how to do that in today's episode. Another common mistake is to rely on brokers. They say brokers just don't, they, we had a discussion on the fiduciary role, rule, one of the topics we've discussed on this show, how brokers don't have a fiduciary standard that they have to adhere to. They just have to be fair. They don't have to necessarily do what's in your best interest. That's true. Third common mistake is don't understand retirement plans. He was really negative toward 401k plans. He felt that they were tax inefficient. So you could participate up to the match, but after that, they just weren't efficient because when you withdraw from a a traditional individual retirement account in the U.S. or a 401k plan, you're taxed at ordinary income tax rates. And compared to commodities or futures, they're taxed even no matter what time period you hold them. You know, even if you only hold them for a few minutes, your gains are taxed 60% is, as at the capital gains tax rate and 40% as ordinary income rate. He didn't mention Roth IRAs, though, Roth individual retirement accounts, in which if you put after-tax money in, which is what you're generally going to do for trading accounts, within a Roth, all your earnings and any withdrawals are tax-free. That's a huge advantage over plain taxable accounts. wasn't mentioned. Fourth, investing in mutual funds. He says he hates mutual funds because of the high fees and all the turnover, and they're not terribly tax-efficient if they're an active mutual fund. He recommended instead investing in SPY. He never actually defendified what SPY was. SPY, it's the iShares Core S&P 500 ETF. If you're going to invest in traditional markets, he said, invest in ETFs because index-based ETFs because they're more tax efficient. And that's true. But then he said he wouldn't invest in the stock market because, quote, Everyone knows every 10 years, there's a recession. And he went through the math to show that it's been 10 years since a recession, so markets can lose 57% stock market during economic recessions. So might not be a great time to invest. Plus, every 80 years, there's a depression. We've talked about that in earlier episodes. I've mentioned this in episode 138 and 215. That economic recoveries, they don't die of old age. And I have referred to a paper by Glenn D. Rudabish from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. His quote is, The historical record since World War II does not support the view that the probability of recession increases with the length of the recovery. Effectively, they don't die of old age. There is, you can't say that there's a recession every 10 years. Don't invest in the stock market. Every year, there's a 23% chance of a recession that year. That's what the historical record states. Now, my approach to investing is to look at 
economic trends, investment conditions, to see if it if the risk of a recession is increasing and reduce risk then, but not because there's a, a particular time period. It's focusing on what is happening now. He characterized that classic mistake as thinking that buy and hold investing still works, where you can ride the market up and down like a roller coaster and subject yourself to these 57% losses. So his solution is not to make adjustments, just don't invest in the stock market at all unless you're trading. And his final common mistake was not understanding fees. Says if you're going to invest, invest with Vanguard because the fees are lower, but he wouldn't do it. And then that's when he went into his discussion of why everyone knows there's a recession every decade. What's the solution? His solution, as you can imagine, is trading to used leveraged asset classes. Before we look at his specific recommendations for how to trade successfully, let me pause and share some words from one of this week's sponsors. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I know in our business, having the right candidates for the job is critical to keep our business running smoothly. Now, LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash David. That's linkedin.com slash David to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's just nice to sit back, relax, maybe even take a nap. That's not what you want your money to be doing. You want it to be working hard for you, earning interest, generating returns. That's where the Betterment Automated Investing and Savings app can help. Betterment's technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize returns. They have diversified portfolios of low-cost ETFs that have been constructed by experts. High-yield cash accounts, where your money can earn 11 times the national average. And automated investing technology, like automated rebalancing. These tools can help you reach your savings and investing goals. Betterment is a fiduciary. That means it's their job to act in your best interest. They will never recommend an investment or give you guidance unless they believe it will help you reach your financial goals. So visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about the high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserves offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. The instructor pointed out that individuals can make more money while putting up less capital if they used leveraged assets. Stocks, he mentioned, can be leveraged two to one. Options, 10 to one. Futures, including the commodities market, 20 to one. 
and foreign exchange, 50 to 1. He points out that futures, for example, the commodities market, wheat, you can lever 10 to 1 because wheat, under most circumstances, will not go down to zero. The goal, he says, is to earn a consistent 10% in the commodities market. But because of the leverage, you do better than that. In fact, he mentioned he has never done less than 40% in his trading account. Didn't mention how much he was investing, but 40% per year with the exception of 2001. Trading is a zero-sum game. For every winner, there's a loser. And you have to be right more than 50% of the time. They were very upfront that because of the leverage, you can quickly lose all your money. As a result, you have to be, you have to do better than 50, you have to be better than 50%. Not much better because they point out that if you can do a little better than 50%, if you let your winners run and you cap your losses, you get out when trades go against you fast enough, then that's how you potentially could generate that 10 to 40%. But we have to have the ability to predict what's going to happen. He pointed out, if you do what everyone else does, you will get marginal returns. You need to do something different. And that's where their patent comes along. The founders of this firm have patent number 8650115B1. I'll link to the patent in the show notes. It's very detailed. You can read their particular trading strategy as it, as it deals with supply and demand. And you can read all about that. Again, that's in the show notes at moneyfortherestofus.com. While you're there, you can, if you've not signed up already, sign up for my free insider's guide, and I'll send those show notes to you, those links to you, every week right after the podcast is released, along with an essay or other writing, things that didn't make it into the podcast, something I just share with members of that email list only that are not available on the public web. So that's at moneyfortherestofus.com. So I read through the patent. It was extremely detailed. They mentioned in the patent, this is the language, some traders, typically individuals or retail traders, as opposed to professional or institutional traders, will trade manually, largely based on nothing more than a gut feel. That's nice. We're going to be successful traders. We can't trade on our gut. They go on. Alternatively, various individuals and even sophisticated individuals and institutional traders will use manual systems under which they devise a plan to make specific trades under various circumstances and market conditions. So they have a trade plan. Sometimes they use software to automate that. These trade plans, the patent describes, generally fall under what are known as technical analysis. So it's, it's predicated on acting upon expected future price movement. So what, what are price trends? But they point out that these, this, using technical analysis, applying math or, or some other trigger 
based on price trends, has some drawbacks. They write, for example, in many cases, a great many competing traders are using the same systems with the same predictive algorithms and are acting upon these predictions generated by these systems at the same time. At a market-based level, this produces undesirable outcomes for these traders since they are competing at the same time to buy a security with others using the same algorithms based on the same predictions at the same time. Further, they are also competing against each other when the system indicates the trader should sell a security. So if a lot of these retail traders are all using these price trend systems to figure out when to trade, then they're tripping over each other as they invest. And that can push up the price. And it could also, if they're selling at the same time, can push down the price. So their approach is is to use what are known as setups to see what the retail individual trader is doing. Where are their footprints? So where are individuals selling and buying? Where are institutions buying and selling? And then they have what they call demand zone and supply zone. So they're looking for these footprints effectively to take advantage of these novice traders. Which is why, and I was thinking about this the other day, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this. These trading schools that exist, well, they're trying to teach trading and they, they're they very upfront how difficult it can be in that there's leverage involved. The success of their approach is dependent on a constant supply of retail traders that are trading on gut feel or some other way using price trend models. Their patented approach is based on taking advantage of the individual investors because it is a zero-sum game. They write, with respect to demand, price turns higher at a price level where willing demand exceeds willing supply. With respect to supply, price turns lower at a price level where willing supply exceeds willing demand. Since the markets for tradable instruments are almost always a zero-sum game, the novel system and methodology of the present invention operate to determine these price turning points and leverage the human emotions of fear and greed of other competing traders to provide optimum trading results. To take advantage of investor emotion and fear. They continue, again, operating under the assumption that trading in most markets is a zero-sum game. Winners win at the expense of losers losing. It is important to identify the mistakes that other traders typically make in markets so that these can be exploited. What are some of the mistakes that their algorithm and process seeks to exploit? They write, the first mistake often made by novice traders is buying after a rally in price. And the second mistake also often made is buying at a price level where supply exceeds demand. So the entire focus is figuring out the supply and demand in these zones. It's what they teach. It's their approach. They tell those in their school that you shouldn't do any trading 
with real money to, to a lease after six months of using their system. Now, I think it's a reasonable approach. I mean, they're not trying to outsmart institutions. They're trying to exploit novice traders because it is a zero-sum game. For every winner, there's a loser. The winners win at the expense of the losers. So if you're going to be a successful trader, that's what you have to do. Trade much more like Wall Street professionals, the Goldman Sachs of the world that are able to consistently exploit other traders so that they can win. And you have to practice and practice, be disciplined and decisive. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the patience to do that. I'd rather be a long-term investor and look at market conditions. Look at where we are today and try to make the best risk-reward trade-off with, with the opportunities that are there today. I don't want to toy around with levered assets and try to be right more than 50% of the time. I'd rather spend time in asset classes that generate income and have cash flow growth. I don't want to earn my retirement by exploiting novice traders for profit. That is episode 239. You can get show notes at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I've not considered your specific risk profile, not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.